guys, welcome back to Not My Type. This is Jack. This is Malia. And we're here to discuss um, some more Enneagram content, obviously. Today, we were hoping to talk a little bit about some problems in Enneagram use. Some yeah, problems. in the culture. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation that goes on about the Enneagram, which is sort of why we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. But even more so, there's a sense of like misunderstanding of the utilization and the practical application of the Enneagram. Uh, and, and that's something that's talked about a lot in Enneagram culture, like how to use it, how not to use it. But we sort of wanted to address some of what we think are the primary issues. So basically with this episode, we wanted to take a pause from our normal teaching and address some of the dangers of the Enneagram and the ways that the general public are able to use it. Or uh, might use it incorrectly or inappropriately. Um, So I just wanted to take us back to start to the original purpose of the Enneagram. And then it was made to be a system of nine neurotic labels that you could identify as oh, this is the ninth neurosis, or oh, this mm. is the seventh neurosis. This is a problem in my life. Um, and it was meant to be a spiritual practice of recognition and removal, essentially, that I can see, oh, this is an unhealthy thing of me to be doing, and mm-hmm. I can stop that. Um, the problem is, obviously, a lot of people seem to do this. There's this over-identification with the neurosis. There's this over-identification mm. with something that feels like, um, here's my caricature, here's my little mini person, my avatar or whatever, you know, like we don't want that, but that seems to be frequent. So our hope was just to remind everyone who's listening, like everything we've taught you so far is meant to help catch your own nonsense Mm. um, and meant to help us like from hurting other people and ourselves as we learn about it and everything. So we want to talk a little bit about what you should not be doing. Mm -hmm. So here's what not to do with the Enneagram. Number one, don't identify as your type. Right. Remember, the neurosis is something to be labeled as. And in shorthand, we typically say, I'm a blank, whatever. I'm a type six. But like, even though that's the shorthand we're using, recognize that that's not actually who you are. Right. And remember that when you're when you're identifying with it, that's you saying, this is actually something that I value or this is something mm-hmm. I wear as a flag of. This is a part of my identity. My culture. Who like, I no, am. it's not. It's actually not. You just are mistaking it that way. And that doesn't mean that you can't really identify with pieces of the Enneagram type and say, oh, I really see this in my life and I see how I use this, but you can't really take that on or else it becomes really problematic. You start almost praising that piece of yourself. And a big trend I've noticed, even for myself, like just this is something I have tried to avoid doing, but I think a lot of people tend to do when they learn the Enneagram is that they feel like they have to live up to the expectations of the type. Mm. That the neurosis, oh, the neurosis functions this way and since I'm a type three, I... It's sort of like, oh, haha, that's just like, I'm just a three. Like, I actually yeah. had a conversation with someone on the phone a couple of weeks ago uh, where he was talking about like a spreadsheet and he was like, I'm just like organizing and working really hard. It's just living up to my threeness. And I was kind of thinking to myself, like, oh boy. Um, <laughs> right. You know, like, there's this sense of if you're trying to fit yourself into the mold you think exists for the mm. neurosis, even if you're right about it. The whole point of an of a neurotic cycle is that it's supposed to limit you. Like it's designed yeah. to destroy and limit you. Yeah. So if you're living into it and trying to like match the qualities of the type, you're not going to function in a way that's like loving to mm-hmm. yourself and other people. And going off of that, the second thing we wanted to address is not to identify other people as a type. And that's not just like their own type you know like even if you know their true type or they know their true type it's not helpful to be like oh how blank of you you know like Mm. because that's limiting them like do you realize that by 
saying, oh, that was so five-ish of you, you're now reinforcing this idea. Like You cannot be anything other than this, this is neurotic pattern. Are. Yeah, and that's not what we want, of course. And, of course, there's really healthy ways to do that. Like, Jack and I will have conversations about, like, wow, I really see this two-ish pattern in you because I see it in myself and, and this kind of stuff. And that's really helpful for me because Jack knows me really well and can call those things out in a really healthy way. And I can say, wow, okay, I feel challenged and I can actually benefit from that. And there's a level of intimacy in our friendship that allows that. You see what I'm saying? Like there's a level of intimacy for us to talk about the second neurosis, the way it manifests in my life, the way it manifests in Malia's, um, without it being, oh, this is so you. Mm. Because here's like a baseline thing to recognize. If you're using this to assess your coworkers or your acquaintances, um, and just to like sort of throw that at them, it's going to feel like an attack. It's going to feel like a this is who you are and everyone else is going to be like, uh, you don't know me. You're not close to me. Where'd you yeah. get this idea? And that's something that I've experienced even like people will meet me. And I think because I have a pretty aggressive personality, mm. um, there's this idea, like people love to say like, Oh, you're such an eight. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. People will meet me and they're like, Oh, you're such an eight. And it's like, there is eightishness in me, of course, because all the neuroses are, are in us, but that's not my core type. And it just, even though like they don't need to know that, it does feel sort of like pretentious. Like, who are you to tell me yeah. what I am or am not or what you do or don't see in me? Mm. I think there, there's this, there has to be this recognition that like, this is helpful for everyone in all relationship, but you shouldn't be addressing it directly as this is your type to other people mm. if you're not in close relationship with them and that's not something that you've agreed upon or not. Yeah, and it might be kind of hard to tell because Jack and I are obviously on a podcast where we talk about our type and and the types in general. But uh, before this podcast, we actually would have a lot of conversations about should we be sharing what type we are? Because we have to realize that the Enneagram is actually dealing with really intense things. And we can talk about it really casually, and that's good because it's good to get comfortable understanding that no neurosis is better or worse than another or that everyone is dealing with a neurosis. Um, But we can't forget that the Enneagram is a tool and not a weapon. And I feel like a lot of people use it as such. And it's also a language and not a lifestyle. We don't want to live up to, like you said, we don't want to live up to them. And and it can bring a lot of harsh realities to our lives. So when we talk about them, we really need to be communicating it with compassion. Mm. Because the Enneagram itself is just a series of neurotic patterns, but it's people who are communicating what the Enneagram is at the end of the day. I love the way you put that, like language, not a lifestyle. Like the Enneagram should be a helpful tool for you to be able to identify, oh, this pattern is existing. Mm. And I think even just the idea of language, like recognize this is a man-made concept. Like the Enneagram is a man-made concept. And even the language we use to describe each neurosis doesn't actually do it justice, you know? Mm. Like it doesn't describe the intrinsic goings on it's just our best attempt to illustrate what is going on the cycles aren't as simple as like a a passion like the passion of pride or vanity like Mm -hmm. it's not as simple as that but that's our best attempt to try and describe it and illustrate what is going on so i think it is helpful you're right like it's it's supposed to be a tool that provides us with language but if you're making it uh oh this is my identity this is who i am you're actually just going to increase your neurotic cycle. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're just going to, because you're pressing into it. You're saying, mm-hmm. yep, this is exactly who I am. I approve. And uh, I, you're limiting yourself. Like I hope everyone realizes that. Like the more you're validating and justifying your own ridiculous, terrible behavior, you're saying this is who I am. And, and that doesn't like. And you have to deal with it. I don't have to, I don't have to work on this. Like you have to work on dealing with me. And I think that's, 
that's like so real. Like there's this level of when you're owning your neurosis, it's this willingness to say, this is the nonsense I have carried my life and I'm yeah. not going to carry it anymore. Yeah. But when you say, this is who I am, this is my identity, you're basically saying every impolite, shitty thing I could do is is everyone else's problem. Yeah. And I'm not going to address it and I'm not going to let go of it because it actually, I've now taken the Enneagram as a tool to make me feel better about myself mm. and to explain why I mistreat myself and others. And it might not even be the worst thing ever. Like I think about myself when I was first learning about the Enneagram and people were like, hey, you help people a lot. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the big deal with that? And to realize that when the people around me are constantly validating my neurosis, why change? If my neurosis, my neurotic pattern personally is one that's palatable to other people, then I never actually have to deal with the fact that why am I helping people? Is it because I actually don't feel desired? And when you start to pull back the shades because someone actually addressed them and I could address them myself, you start to realize that even if they're palatable neurotic patterns, they're still damaging to the person that's doing them. And to the person who experiences them externally, you know, to mm. anyone who witnesses them. Like, that's the thing. It's not just destroying us. It's also destroying others. Mm. And I think that's so important is recognizing, like, I don't know if anyone's noticed this trend, but in all of the episodes so far, we've used the word you or your to, to recognize, like, your problem, you know. And it's easy for us to say that as the, as the hosts. Yeah. But, like, our hope is that as a listener, you would be willing to reflect on what is going on in my life how am I using this to hurt myself and others instead mm -hmm. of thinking about what is everyone else doing, you know? Right. And what is like, what is everyone else? It's like, no, like the Enneagram should be for you listener. Like the Enneagram should be something that you can take and utilize to learn and grow and like catch yourself. You know, it should be a tool to catch yourself. And I really hope that it can act as a tripwire for people that it can be like, Oh, I, I see the pattern. I see the language that I'm using to describe the pattern and I'm not going to go any further with that. And that's not meant to be condemning, but it's actually really beautiful because once you see it in yourself, that can be a story that is beautiful to someone else to say, hey, mm. I saw this in my life. I dealt with it. Look how broken I was and still am in a lot of ways. But there is hope. This isn't meant to be like the most hopeless thing on earth. I, I can tell like it's something can be really depressing sometimes because all we talk about is like these neurotic patterns. But there is a lot of hope in it, too, because the hope is to, to know how to let go of them. You know, mm. the hope is by labeling them and identifying them as something that is separate from me, but something that I experience, I'm going to be able and, and willing, hopefully, to let go of it and move past it and choose something better for me and for everyone else I love and people I don't love, you know? Like there's this yeah. level of decency that we owe to humans mm. and every neurosis scraps that decency, even if it doesn't look that way. Every neurosis is gonna say, actually, I don't care about that. I don't care about the way I should treat people. I don't care about what's right. I'm just gonna do my own thing. Even if it's under the guise of I'm doing the right thing or I, yeah. I do care about other people. Ultimately, people are selfish and will treat themselves the best way they can, mm. even if it looks selfless to the outside. And think about the people that you know that are mature and likable. Like think about those old people mm. that are sages in your life, you know? Like, like playing chess and stuff. Exactly. Know. Like the people, <laughs> the people we idolize are the ones who are willing and, and humble enough to recognize the things that they do that are really not appropriate. Mm. 
and are willing to take stock of that and say, yeah, that's actually something I'm prone to doing. Like there's this level of humility that we admire in others that makes us admire others right. when we're willing to see, yeah, that's something I'm not good at or that's something I do poorly, uh, but that's not who I am. And think about the immature people in your life who are blatantly disregarding any sort of blame that they have. They're in completely any ignorant. That's the point. Like they're ignorant to their own problems and their own neuroses. This might be a side tangent, but the most shocking piece of information that I've ever discovered in my life was um, when I read this article that was talking, was kind of giving advice to someone who was dealing with someone else. And it was like, oh, like they're, they're probably like this and they're probably like this. And isn't that so annoying? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's so annoying. And at the end, the article said, that's you to someone else. And it was like, whoa. I was like in high school. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> I love that. And it was, it was honestly really impactful to me because every time now I think, oh, that was kind of annoying. I think, wow, someone, I, like I've probably been that person to someone else. Like how can I not be that person to someone else? And remember, like when we first started this podcast, hopefully you've listened to <laughs> the earlier episodes, but when we first started the podcast, we wanted to illustrate the Enneagram as something that's more than just a self-help tool. And I really, like personally, I do really believe that it is more than a self-help tool, but it should be more of a self-help tool than it is an other help tool. You know, mm. like you should be using this more to check yourself than you are to check others. And so up to this point, we've talked a lot about like, don't type other people, don't blah, blah, blah. Um, but we've also mentioned something I want to go back to, which is that in close friendship, I think it's really, really valuable to talk about the Enneagram and to bring it up with your friends um, and partners and you know, relationships or whatever. But let's talk about some of the healthy ways to do that. I think the first thing we always have to do when it comes to talking about neurosis and, and being willing to identify neurosis in our own lives and in the lives of others is that we always have to be first willing to identify our own neurosis. Because mm. if you're not starting there, it's going to look like judgment. It's going to look like yeah. hatred. And it's going to look like nastiness, just like being a selfish person. Um, so I challenge everyone who's listening, check your intent in the way you're using the Enneagram when you're when you're trying to, quote, help other people. Like that's coming from mm. a two here. Like I, <laughs> I'm just saying like it. that's something I have to do constantly. And it's something I don't always do perfectly, to, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. My hope is that when I teach the Enneagram, it wouldn't be a tool to justify myself and condemn everyone else, but it would be something where I can recognize, oh, what is my actual goal in communicating this? What mm -hmm. is my actual goal in not communicating this? Yeah. The questions you should be asking, like, do you really want to help someone else? Do you want to help your friend? Do you want to help your mom? Do you want to help your loved one by sharing this Enneagram content? Or do you just want to feel better about yourself? Mm. Um, or do you want an explanation for how they hurt you and you want yeah. them to know that they hurt you? And, and then never it's biological the... and there's psychological, you know, backing to it. And do you want to actually love them or do you want reasons for why they annoy you? Mm. Yeah. We should always be annoyed with our own neurosis first. And if we're not, then you're misunderstanding the purpose of the Enneagram. Yeah, because every neurosis is biased. And so when you're trying to give advice, it's going to be filtered through your own neurotic pattern. So, for instance, I often assume negative things about other twos because I see those negative qualities in myself. It's that age old adage, you know, like the, what you hate the most in other people is what you actually hate about yourself. Yeah. I think it's just important to recognize the neurosis is coloring and giving an agenda to everything you're saying. Mm. You know, everything anyone is saying, even what we're saying right now, like consider that, like everything that's being said is coming from the agenda that wants to verify and validify 
one's own pattern. You know, like the seven doesn't mean to do it, but they go about their life having conversations and and not having conversations so that they can keep their options open in all things. You know, mm. they're always going to be trying to open doors for themselves. Um, and in that same sense, trying to avoid blame and avoid pain for themselves. Like, yeah. check your intent when you're communicating about the Enneagram. Is your intent actually to to better yourself and better others and, and learn? Or is your intent to validify the narrative that you think is real about your life? Mm. So by this point, we've mentioned healthy ways to not identify with your type, but to reflect on your type through this podcast and through other information. And we've talked about how to healthily give advice and give criticism uh, when it comes to neurosis. But the last part I wanted to mention was in receiving advice and constructive criticism from others, it can be really daunting, I think, to hear from your loved ones about patterns that they see in your life. But that can be the most instrumental information that you get. When you have loved ones that are trying to help you check your neurosis, even if they're not coming from it, a kind, loving, supportive place that they think they are, everyone still has the choice to interpret what others are saying as something that you can take for your own good. You know, like you have mm-hmm. the choice, listener, next time someone is mistreating you or or <laughs> using the Enneagram inappropriately mm-hmm. against you, when, when someone is using it against you, you still have the opportunity to transform it into something that is helpful for you and hopefully helpful for them. But your choice, like you, you can make the choice to make it helpful or you can take it as an insult, you know? So like we all can only really be responsible for ourselves. Yeah, that's and, so true. And recognizing the, the importance of the Enneagram, the, the importance of learning about neurosis is that it illustrates to you that other people are trying to deal with life. It shows you how they're trying to deal. But it's not for you to deal with them. You know, learning about the Enneagram mm. is not a tool for you to just be like, oh, I can, I now understand why this person does this nasty thing because they're this type, whatever. Like, it should be primarily learning about how you are inappropriately trying to deal with life and then set that aside and, and give other people the right to do the same thing. And if you leave them and you just say, I'm going to deal with them, that's unfair to them in some ways because they'll never learn. And the people around you who you're just, quote unquote, dealing with will never be able to grow. Because they don't know that that bothers you. And you're like relegating them to their own neurosis, basically. By just like leaving, like dealing with them and being like, oh, they're this type. You're not actually trying to help them. Yeah. It's basically the same thing as identifying someone as a type, but with your words and your actions. By saying, I'm just going to deal with them because I know that they're this type. They can't help it. Well, actually, they could help it. We can all help it. Your responsibility isn't to change them but you can definitely encourage them and communicate better with them by saying, hey, I I feel hurt in these ways, and I recognize that, and I'm sharing that with you so that we don't have to have this problem anymore. Yeah, and the the use of language really makes a world of difference. I think that's so important to realize. Like, for me, like I was talking about earlier, like I've had people try and tell me I was an eight, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. oh, they were like, oh, you're an eight, blah, 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 whereas like that immediately shuts that puts up my guard because it's like you don't know me you don't know who I am you know but if like if the language is different it can be really helpful you know like a lot of this a lot of what we're trying to say is like be careful with how you use the Enneagram because it's nuanced and like the way you use it it's a very fine line between using it appropriately and using it inappropriately it's hard to walk and we get that Mm -hmm. I've used it inappropriately before I've also used it appropriately before so I'm just saying like 
with that example, with someone else saying, oh, you're an eight, maybe if they had said, hey, I'm noticing a lot of aggressive and forceful yeah. and defensive behavior yeah. from, from you. I'm noticing that you tend to be quite contrarian. Like that would be something I'm more receptive to because then they're just actually trying to say like, hey, are you okay? Like mm. <laughs> what's going on here? I'm noticing this trend rather than saying, I actually think you're an eight, you know, like mm. by you saying that you're shutting down any possibility that I would want to listen, you know, because mm-hmm. then it, remember the, the common misconception, even for us, even when we're thinking about the Enneagram is that because we're talking about the word type so frequently, it feels like an identifier, even if it's not meant to be, it will feel like an identifier. So when you're trying to help other people recognize first and foremost, it's not your duty. This isn't your, your God given justice <laughs> Right. To, to to go reform everyone in your life. No, like the hope should be that you're willing to take this as a self-reflective tool and something that just helps you practically in life. Mm. But we also should be recognizing when we use it with others, we have to do it very carefully. We have to do it very carefully and we need to recognize like, am I addressing, helping address their behavior? Because I actually can't know their motivation. That's the thing. Like mm. you can't know anyone else's motivation. You can think that you can, but you really can't. Um, and even they can't know it perfectly, but like, ultimately you can address someone's nasty behavior. You can't necessarily address their nasty attitude. Mm -hmm. And it's not for you to hate yourself or to feel like you hate your neighbor and you don't know what to do about it. But we're really hoping that all of this content provides a landscape. You can go through and pick tools to help communicate better with the people in your lives and even with yourself. That's so true. Consider conflict orientation or harmonics, the ways that we all deal with conflict differently and how that can be helpful when addressing these situations. Um, And consider the lies that the people around you are believing. That's been really influential um, to me in the way that I communicate to people because I can replace that with truth for them. You know, uh, it really means a lot to me when people say, hey, Malia, like you're really desired here or you're really seen here because that's often a lie that I'm believing and it's really uplifting when people can affirm me in the opposite direction because that's what breaks the pattern. Yeah, it's the, it is the counteraction of neurosis. It is the affirming of truth and the dissolution of the lie that actually breaks us out. And you can't do that for someone else, but you can be an assistant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our hope really is that you would be able to take this information as a constructive tool that helps give you some sort of lens for reality, but doesn't feel limiting that Mm. it shouldn't limit the way you view other people. It shouldn't limit the way you view yourself. Um, it should just help give you language. And these conversations shouldn't shut the door, but actually open them for so many more conversations and so many more understandings of who we are and how we work. And I think that's, what's the best part about the Enneagram. And more importantly, it's a revelation of who we're not. And how we weren't meant to work, you know, like I, I really think that there is so much more for us when we're able to set aside the neurotic patterns. And I know that's so hard that like, that means, that means nothing. Like that's so vague to put it that way. Um, and of course we'll get into that more later as you keep listening. Like there's, there's more to the story than just being like, oh dang, I suck. But Mm -hmm. like the hope is you'd be willing to recognize what's going on and what's going wrong and just kind of check yourself. Use it as a lens for saying, oh, that's not the right intent. That's not the right behavior. Let me try again. And as we talk about stress and growth patterns, I've also been realizing that there's so much to learn from other people as well. So when you have these conversations, it's really beautiful to see the way that they do things 
and how maybe that's neurotic for them, but it would actually be really growing for you. Mm, um, it's true. really growing for me to be able to assert my needs when for some other people that might be like they over assert, you know? And so mm, yeah. it's, it's really nice when you have these conversations, you come to people and you say, Hey, like this is something I'm doing. This is something I see you doing. And then be able to talk about, well, is that a healthy pattern? How can we reverse that? What truth do you need to hear right now that can counteract that behavior? Honestly, that's it. That was kind of a little long-winded, but our hope was to just remind everyone who's listening. I know a lot of the Enneagram information you might be learning is probably like, wow, I never thought of it that way, or wow, that really makes sense. And that's great. We want people to be able to Mm. make sense of their lives a little bit more. But the biggest hope and the biggest goal should not be to shit on yourself or others. It should be that the aim should be to make us live more full lives, better lives. So I hope that you can take that as like a little platitude today, whatever that means to you. Remember to check your intent. So thanks for checking out this episode, guys. Um, in between now and next time, be sure to look us up at Not My Type Enneagram um, on Instagram, and you can email us at that same handle for any questions or just to say hi. We're you know around, um, <laughs> um, but we really hope you enjoyed this content, and we hope you stick around for next time. And in case anyone is not already doing this, if you're listening on Spotify, please go hit that follow button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any other obscure podcasting platform, make sure that you're giving us some wonderful reviews and ratings and such yes. things. Subscribe, all those stuff. It would help us a lot. Um, and plus, I hope you guys know we are having fun. We're yeah. enjoying this process and I hope it's fun for you too. All right. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye, guys. Yeah, because at its core, the every neurosis is biased. And so every judgment that comes out of one neurosis will be biased by the neurosis that they exist in. Okay, that... <laughs> <laughs> Classic Malia sentence. That is just like, that's so iconic. It's so true. Tra- <laughs> that's like the trademark of this podcast. <laughs> oh, gosh. What did I even say? Okay. Oh, Lord, help us. Jesus, okay. take the wheel. <laughs>